You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. And now, ladies and gentlemen, from the same corner representing Jesus Christ, hailing from Springfield, Missouri, weighing in with a huge mass of muscle and a record covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, your preacher for the night, Rich Richard Awesome. Uh, the people that love you, they do things for you. Amen. Amen. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, to uh, those of you that do not know me, my name is uh, Richard Cunningham. I have been coming here to Church at the Center for uh, almost two years now. It's been since July 16th, uh, 2016. I am in uh, long-term recovery from a uh, five-year meth addiction uh, that took over my life. Uh, within that five years, I had uh, I had damaged every relationship and been absent in every relationship that I had in my life. And I'm talking with your mother, uh, father, daughter, uh, brother, uh, the people that you love and that uh, that you hold close to your heart. Um, I was absent in every single one of those relationships, while uh, while claiming to lo- have loved every single one of them. And um, just because I feel that a lot of us can relate from one another to one another as an addict speaking to another addict or a family that has dealt with somebody that has had an addict in their family, that when somebody is in that, is in that situation and nothing they do in their actions is saying that they love you and they tell you that they love you, how hard it is for that person to understand what you're saying to them. There's a distance there. You see what I'm saying? Uh, what I'm getting to the point on is that somebody is lost in that situation. And I, I don't mean lost like, uh, you know, you, like, you got bad directions and your GPS sent you somewhere off into the middle of the woods or you made a right turn, you ended up in Albuquerque instead of Texas. Um, I'm talking about lost to where you were missing out on something. Um, has anybody in here by a show of hands felt, ever felt like you've been missing out on something? Okay. Uh, well, I can relate to your story. Um, it'll start out young. I'm born and raised here in uh, Springfield, Missouri. <clears throat> I grew up in a I was born in 77, so I grew up in the 80s, and in the neighborhood that I lived in, which was on the west side, it was very hard for me and my brother to come up in this neighborhood. Uh, <clears throat> we grew up in this neighborhood, but we went to the Springfield Community Center, which was on the north side of town. So being biracial, I had to learn how to, re- uh, to interact with both sides, with whites and then with also blacks. And from the white side, I was called, from where I lived out, I was called the N-word a lot. And from... The black side where I went to, I was called zebra for being half-breed. It really wasn't just fully accepted. Um, Now, in this, I had a stepfather that was raising me and my brother at that point in time. And me and my brother would come home crying at first, and uh, he just wasn't having it. You know, he just was not standing for it. And as a matter of fact, he wasn't going to stand for it. And if we didn't do something about it, he was going to beat us. So it was either stand up for yourself 
uh, Richard, watch out for your brother. If anything happens to him, I'm whooping you when you get home for not doing something. Okay? So I'm seven years old at this point in time. My brother's four. So you can't, um, it was very hard for me to grasp what this man was telling me, but I understood that I was going to get whooped. I was going to get beat if I didn't do something for myself or for my brother. So I grew up, me and my brother, fighting, dealing with these problems. And uh, it went on and it went on and went on. And then before too long, I had a bad attitude. I had a bad attitude. Now, I was never allowed to start the fight, but I always had to stand up for it. And I always had to finish. If I got whooped, I got whooped when I got home. So um, my dad telling me this, he says, he says I'm going to tell you something. He said, whenever you get into this fight, because I would get scared, he said, uh, when you get to the fight, you, you fight and you try to hurt him as bad as you can or almost kill him so you don't, they'll never mess with you again. And I'm seven years old, so this grew into a, a monster of rage by the time I got into high school. Uh, my father had went out of the picture at that point in time. Uh, my stepfather had did. And having an absent father in my life um, and being in the streets a lot, I soon found myself into gang affiliation. All right? Um, I got into the gang affiliation because I seen something that was absent in my life, which was uh, some love. And I'm not saying that my mom didn't love me because my mom did a great job raising two boys. Uh, hats off to her. That is a hard job. And my hat's off to any single mom that does that raising two men. My hat is off to you. You guys are awesome, awesome individuals. Um, but I fell into this because I had an absent father in my life, all right? So gang affiliation was the thing for me because I knew that no matter what I was going through, that if there was a problem or something else like that, I knew that our rule was is if one of us fought, we all fought. You had to fight every single one of us, period, no matter what was going on. That made me feel safe. Um, and then how, they, how we would interact with each other, call it boys, homies, whatever it is, uh, whatever term you choose to use. Uh, hey, what's up, Rich? How you doing, man? Hey, man, I missed you the other day. You know, and that, there was love. There was love right there. I grew into a loyalty for this love, and I grew up with it. And the lifestyle that I lived along with that, you know, there's money, you know, there's drugs, there's guns, there's uh, fast cars, whatever, whatever, whatever comes into that situation. Plus, having a respect to know that whenever you hit the block, you didn't have to worry about nobody coming up on you because they knew exactly what they were dealing with. So I grew into being a monster at a young age. Um, I really wasn't the best for any of the relationships I was in. And what I'm getting back to is that I'm lost, and I had a hole in me somewhere. And I knew I was missing out on something all this time. I knew it. I just couldn't find it. And I knew who God was because my mother, bless her heart, she put me in, me and my brother in Sunday school. So we went to Sunday school at Cherry Street Baptist Church. We rode the bus every Sunday. We got to hear about God. So I knew who he was, but I didn't know who he is and what he is. I did not know these things. I just thought I was a thing to do. You go to church on Sunday, you come back home, you go about your, you go about your life. All right? <clears throat> well, thank goodness for my mom doing that and putting that structure in my life. Um, okay, so as I went along uh, with this uh, gang affiliation and everything like that, I began picking up charges. And picking up these charges, uh, you know, in Springfield at the point in time, it was like $50 for a fighting ticket. I mean, that was it. You get in a fight. If the cops got called, you go to jail. You pay your $50. You get out. You laugh about it. How high? You go back and you fight again, whatever, whatever the situation may be. Well, uh, we had later moved on to Kansas City. And when I was in Kansas City, I ended up catching a, a road rage charge. Me and my brother and some friends had been out at uh, Smithville Lake all day. And when we was coming back, um, we had a gentleman that was messing with us on the highway. So we thought it was going to be a funny idea to fall him off the highway and teach him a lesson. 
So we're in North Kansas City. We're going down the highway. We pull off the highway, and we whoop these dudes. But we don't know where we're at. All right? We just happen to be right behind the police station. Yeah. God is good. God is good. God knows what he's doing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to stop right there and say this so you can remember this later on in the story. God knows us better than we know us. Okay? Amen. I'm going to say amen to that. All right. So uh, we get locked up. Uh, we think this is going to be a little $50 ticket and get back out. And no. No, North Kansas City don't play that game. They don't like it. <laughs> All right. So uh, they're trying to give us second, second degree assault for the fight. Uh, we ended up doing a little bit of time for that. Um, now, while I was in jail, somebody had uh, handed me a Bible when I was in there because we had to do a little bit of time for messing up the probation or whatnot. Um, handed me a Bible, and this is the first time when God had planted a seed on me or in me. And I didn't realize it until really about a year ago that he, he finally revealed that to me, that he planted a seed in me long ago. All right? And just to show you how good God is and how God knows us better than, he, than we know us, Okay. All right, so I get a Bible, and I'm reading in John 15, 5. And uh, if you could put that verse up for me, please. Um, I'm reading in John 15, 5, and for the first time in my life while uh, having a relationship with God and really pouring into it, I felt convicted beyond belief whenever I read this message. All jokes aside, all right, I felt like, you know, you've seen a Mike Tyson match when he's knocked some people out. I felt like Mike Tyson just hit me with the super quadruple Super casual, dexbialidocious combo, all right? I was knocked out, but I was floored by it because it felt like he was talking right to me. And so as I read, it was said, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. It's like, okay. And it had my attention right from the jump. So I read further, and it says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Now, this last part, when I got to this last part, this is where I was floored at. I mean, it took my breath away from me and everything. I was stuck. I couldn't go no further into the Bible because I was sitting there trying. I was understanding exactly what was being read, what I was reading. It was like it was speaking out to me. Like God had just grabbed a hold of my heart while I was reading it and then let go of it after I read it. That's how real it was to me. All right. So for apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. And right at that moment, I knew I was missing out on something. That was the loss where I knew I was missing out on something. And I was broken a little bit. I have to be honest. But um, also this term goes along uh, while a lot of people do jail sentences or prison sentences. We've all heard the phrase or the term jailhouse religion. All right. So with me, though, the jailhouse religion really wasn't, it wasn't all that because my relationship with God was real. I, I was reaching out to God. Um, I was away from everything that I had grown up in. I was not having to worry about what my homies was thinking of me or anything else like that. I was doing my time, as they say. I was doing my, oh, he's, he's doing what he's doing to serve, you know, whatever. You know, man, respect, whatever. And, you know, and I get to think about that. I'm like, wow, you know, that's, that's really not that tight. <laughs> doing my serve. Okay. Anyways, all right, so, um, <clears throat> so I'm sitting there doing, I'm doing my time and everything else like that, and... Some things begin to take place in me to where I feel like I have to start reaching out to everybody that comes to the jail cell. I'm, also, I'm so on fire for God because he's showing me things. And the way I felt whenever he read, I, do, you, do you guys just know whenever something is the truth? You know the truth when you hear it, correct? You, you feel it. You, you know it to be right. You know, and you know it needs no support because it is the truth. 
All right, I'm telling you, when I read this verse, it changed my life at that moment in time. But with the jailhouse religion thing, as soon as I got out, what did I do? Gone. Right back to doing what I used to do. Um, now, it's easy for me to say and make an excuse. I was like, well, it's the only thing I knew how to do. Okay, to a certain extent, that's real. But I knew there was something else because God had just planted a seed in me, remember? Remember me telling you that? So I'm going to go back to this. God knows us better than we know us. Amen? Amen. All right, so I get out of jail, and I go, uh, I, I'm out, and I'm free and everything else like that. I'm doing the same thing as I'm doing again. Uh, some years pass, and I end up falling into a meth addiction in 2011. Now, when I fall into this meth addiction, it's like nothing I've ever dealt with before. Um, I still have a hole in my heart. Um, I'm mad at the world. Uh, why isn't anything working out for me? Everything else is everybody else's fault except for mine. And I was just a monster to everybody that had tried to have a relationship around me. Can, can you imagine being a monster to the people that are just trying to help you and love you? That's it. That's all, it's trying, that's all they was trying to do. My mom trying to love me. My mom trying to help me. My brother trying to help me. My daughter trying to help me, trying to love me. And I didn't want to hear it. I got something to do. Hey, I, I got to go over here. I got to finish this serve real quick. Daddy, my birthday's tomorrow. Hey, I'll be there, baby. Don't worry about it. Nah, no show up. Christmas, same thing. Same thing, man. Now, in my heart, I was looking these people in the face, and I was telling them I love them. To me, it sounds like somebody they was lost. But, again, God knows your heart, right? God knows us better than we know us. All right? So I ended up getting in pro on probation and uh, for sales, delivery, manufacturing of uh, methamphetamines. What had happened was is that I sold to an undercover. All right? So I have 15 years or I have five years probation. My backup is 15 years. All right, so I'm like, oh, I, can, I can do that. I'll plead guilty to that. I can do that. I'm, I'm slick. I know all the ins and outs and everything else like that. Um, got on probation, lasted about eight months. Sit to a 120. Now, I'm back in jail again, all right? Again, God knows us better than we know us. What's awesome is that his love also never changes. If you're seeing the rhythm here, God is setting me down each time that I'm getting to be too much or too far and he knows that I'm searching for something, and he's setting me down each time so I can think about it, and I can come back to him. And each time I'm getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So I'm doing this 120, same thing. Hey, yeah, man, God is good. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what you do. Don't think about your problems, and I'm sharing this with other inmates. Don't think about your problems. Don't worry about what this dude is saying. Worry about your family when you get out of here, and go and invest, your something and, or invest yourself into God so you can be something for the ones that you love around them. And it, and it all sounded good, and my heart was in it. But guess what I did once I got out? I ran again. All right, I think this was going to be the last time that I ran. I think God finally put his foot down. And, uh, yeah, yeah, God shows up. All right, so um, I'm messing up my probation. I go for a year, and I think I'm doing well because I'm going in and I'm telling my probation officer, I'm like, look, man, um, I made it two weeks this time without getting high. But I messed up yesterday. And my probation officer looked at me and said, it, it's okay. You're being honest about it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm, I'm being, really? Okay, I got this. Told the wrong person the wrong thing, right? Oh, I, I, I found a way to beat the system. I, I'm, I ain't going to tell nobody. <laughs> All right, so next time I go three weeks, I mess up. Two weeks, mess up. And, and, you know, and I, and I uh, 
it's a, a revolving door. I keep it going on for about a year and a half. And finally, this one day, it just didn't work out no more. My probation officer looked at me and he said, hey, man, if you get high one more time, I'm sending you to prison. I was like, really, man? What, you're going to send me from prison? You're going to send me to prison for getting high? He said, yes. He said, what do you think this is? Oh, man. And, I was, and my heart broke because, to be honest with you, like a lot of us, when we're in our addiction, we love getting high. I loved doing what I was doing. I loved it. I could trade you this for that, get some money for this, go see the dope man, put some dope, dope in my pocket, give you this for that, and go double it. And, and that's what I, it was a vicious cycle. That's what I loved to do. And as soon as I woke up, that's the first thing that was on my mind. Oh, by the way, mom, brother, daughter, I love you. Not even there. But again, God knows us better than we know us. Amen? All right. So my mom uh, is just about to go on vacation, and she makes a call to Alan Fish of the program. All right? Before I finish that right there, two weeks. It's been, it's been right when the probation officer told me that. So this has been two weeks last time. But before that two weeks happens, I am scared. I'm, sc I'm scared like a little girl. I'm no longer this dude. My boys can't help me out. Nobody can help me out with this. I can't even help me out. I can't do it. I want to. I've been trying so hard to do this on my own. I've been trying to fill this hole and... Whatever excuse may like be going along with it, but I just could not do it. So, and I'll say it like a little girl with a skirt, pom-poms, pigtails. I fell on the floor, and I cried out to God, angry, angry, mad, cussing. Why won't you help me? I want to quit. I'm trying to be a father. I love my mom. I can't stop. And I'm yelling, and I'm cussing. And I was, I've been praying to you. What, what are you doing? And uh, God showed up. Amen? Amen? Two weeks later, I find myself in New Beginning Sanctuary. All right? Um, I come to church at the center the day afterwards. So this is January or July, 20, uh, July 16, 2016. Um, the very next day, uh, a friend of mine, Derek Cornelius, is sitting right here in the front. Is, uh, he's the house manager uh, or the assistant at the Broadway house at that point in time. Him and Mark had started this program along with some other individuals called the LCP program. And I'm like, okay, it's a life change plan. I'm like, okay. I'm going to tell you how God works. So God is so amazingly awesome. Amazingly awesome. And when he shows up, he's going to show out. I'm just being honest with you. This, this is, a, this is a, an everyday, realistic life that I live, and I've been living ever since that day, since I finally said, okay, you here, you can have it. I'm done. And that's what it took. That's what it took. It took for me to say, okay, I don't have control of this situation. God, you can go ahead and have it, man. I'm tired of missing my daughter's birthdays. I'm tired of missing her on, uh, missing her on Christmas. I am tired of going in and out of jail. I'm tired of fighting all the time. I am tired of lying. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of this life. I'm tired of it. Amen? Tired of it. And I'm really wanting in my heart, now this is, I'm just being honest, this is really, in my heart, I really do love these individuals, okay? I really do love them. 
but I can't do anything to show them. I can't even lift a finger to show them that I love them. All I can do is just tell them the words. I am lost, ladies and gentlemen. I am lost. And not lost, like I said, like your GPS led you somewhere wrong. I am lost to where I am missing out in more way than one. God ends up bringing me up in the same neighborhood, okay, the same neighborhood I used to do all my dirt in, my exchanging, my hustle, whatever you want to call it, my fighting, my, my other charges, brought me up in the very same neighborhood where I was doing bad in. Brought me up in the same neighborhood, around the same people that I kicked it with all the time. Same people. All right? So I came to church at the center from learning about the LCP program. I'm sitting over here, and I'll never forget it. And I'm looking in the room, and I think it took me like 10 or 15 minutes. I'm sitting here watching this, and I think it was for Alpha. And I'm sitting here watching, and I'm looking around. And being from the streets, I have to see something that's moving. I, that's just how I, this is how I watch, and I know things, something's getting ready to go on. Because if this action is going on, it's only one reason why that's going on, because this is about to happen. So you got to know how to move. All right, I see you. I'm going over here, whatever else. All right, so I'm sitting here watching, and I get to noticing after about 15 minutes, I notice the same thing going on in every conversation throughout the room. The same conversation or this, uh, the same thing. And I'm looking, and I'm looking. It's like 15 or 20 different conversations going on. And I'm looking there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I was like, God is revealing himself to me right now. There was joy in your conversation. 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 It was all the same thing. It was the exact same look on everybody's face, the exact same gestures, the exact, it was the same thing. And God was, was showing me who he was right there at that point in time. What I had been looking for, <clears throat> excuse me, I had this hole in my heart. What I've been looking for in order to be better and be the man that I needed to be for the people that I claimed to love in my life, to be that honest person, to be better, I needed something that, out, that was outside of myself that was greater. Amen? I need somebody to show me how to do this because I'm new to it. God, please put the people in my life that will show me how to do this. Please. I am begging you. And God showed up and showed out. I want to give a shout out to my, uh, to my, my awesome mentor, Colin McAllister. Uh, we've spent the last year and a half together uh, meeting on mentors. This man has helped me um, through God. And uh, has helped me change my whole way of thinking. Whole way of thinking. Oh, break this down. Look at it like this. Well, maybe it's this situation and not what you're thinking this situation is that you're getting angry about. Because before, if I really thought it was this situation going on, the person that I was, just being honest, I'm night and day from each other now. From night and day, I would have done something to the person just because I truly believe that you were trying to do something to me. All jokes aside. All right, God took that from me. Are you listening to me? God took it from me. But I had to give it to him. You know what I'm saying? I had to give it to him. I had to physically say, here, you can have it. Not say you can have it today, and then I'm going to do what I want to do on Tuesday or Wednesday. Say, you can have it, bro. I'm done with it. I surrendered. I took the leap. God has been showing up and showing out ever since that day, and I can't do nothing else. So to the individuals, I'll just end it off with this. Um, can you throw that other verse up, please? To the individuals, if you are having a hard time in your recovery, I want you to know that God loves you. I experience it every day. I walk it. I talk it. I breathe it. I eat it. I speak it. I think it. 
I do all of that. I do all those things. If you give God a chance, God will re, uh, God will rearrange your whole area in his will. And it will be greater than anything you ever thought that you could do for yourself. I promise you. I promise you. Okay, believe that. And if you're not looking, if you're not reaching out for God, I want to know why. Why aren't you? Why aren't you trying to get better? If you know it to be working, if you know it to work, and you see it work in other people's lives, when they get up here and they're telling the life change stories, and they're telling you how God is changing their lives, and you're sitting back there and you're not doing anything, I want to know why. You see it working. Change your life. If you love the ones that you really love in your family, if you love your mom, your dad, your, your son, your daughter, and everything else, if you see it work in other people's lives, why aren't you doing it? And I'll finish it with that. Again, John 15, 5, I want to say it off with this. Again, for apart from me, you can do. Thank you.